0: Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father. A military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. On today's episode of Hope Beyond the Badge, we'll be speaking with Scott and Lorena Bergen. Scott and Lorena have a story to share about compassion, love, the desire to help others, family, and loss. Scott and Lorena, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, Would you please take a moment to introduce yourselves to our audience?
1: So first off, thank you for inviting us to be on your podcast. So I'm Scott and my wife, Lorena Bergen. We're from Mason City, Iowa. Um, we've been two together for over 40 years. Um, we we met in middle school and, and got married shortly out of high school. And, and uh, we have uh, three wonderful kids, two boys and a girl, um, all who live independently. So our oldest is Brad, who is... Uh, Was he 35 now? (laughs) Craig, uh, 30, and and Caitlin, 28.
0: Lorena, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please?
2: Sure. What can I say about myself? I am in education. Um, Done that for how many years, Scott, do we think? About 23, 24 years? What level level of education? I have done all levels. So when I first did that, Um, education stuff I started in kindergarten well it's complicated because I started out in gen ed and that's called just you know regular everyday kids and then went into special ed so that's where I'm at right now Mm. so that's where I'm working and then you get moved around a little bit You kind of find out where you want to be and so that's where I'm at with the special ed kids and they're beautiful
3: I love that. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You're very welcome, Scott. What do you do?
1: <laughs> so I work in manufacturing. I've uh, been doing that for 35 years. Uh, food manufacturing, food processing. So uh, currently, uh, auditor for the company I work for.
3: Nice. So what are you doing in 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 Boston?
1: <laughs> so because I uh,
3: hear what is live, folks from <laughs> Iowa. Uh,
1: originally, this was a business trip that. Uh, into a vacation instead Uh, so you know with uh, yourself Linda and George and and Dave and and Jess Betts uh, you know we've befriended each other and become close like family and and so we continued uh, to maintain this trip just to be able to come out see you guys and and you invited us to do this podcast
3: yeah absolutely
0: (laughs) Uh, Scott and Lorena you lost your daughter Caitlin can you share with us whatever you're comfortable sharing about
1: that loss, uh, you know, so it's a little over a year ago, um, April 27th, 2022, you know, I, I was in Kansas city, um, you know, it had, uh, we have ring cameras on our house and, and noticed it popped up on my phone. And so I just took a moment to look and saw police officers out front. Didn't really give it much thought. Uh, they started coming up to the house and, uh, Rang the doorbell, and so I responded. And you know, they, they wouldn't tell me anything, they just want to know if we we're home. I said, No, I'm out of town. Uh, they asked about Lorena. Uh, you know, they said, What about your wife? And I said, Well, she's working, uh, where at? So I told them where she was, and I said, Well, we'll be in touch with her because we need to talk to you in person. You know, I didn't give it any thought, um, and then contacted Lorena, and and immediately she said, Something's wrong with Caitlin. It, I mean, she it was just that mother's intuition that uh took over and and so she you know was very emotional about it uh and it was probably hour and a half after that communication that uh her principal had called me to tell me you know because Lorena wasn't in any way shape or form able to make that call uh that that Caitlin had uh was found dead uh in Iowa um And it was by suicide.
0: And what what did um, what did Caitlin do for work?
1: Caitlin was a paramedic firefighter. Uh, You know, she began her career as a volunteer firefighter in Iowa, Coralville, Iowa. Uh, Her it was before the start of her senior year in college, and she was you know attending the University of Iowa. Uh, So. You know, that, that was the start of her fire career. Uh, you know, during her time in Iowa, she went there for pre-med, decided that's not the direction she wanted to go. She didn't want to be a physician stuck in a hospital or an office, whatever, you know, being secondary. She wanted to be frontline. Mm-hmm. And so she decided that she was going to go become a paramedic. Hmm. Uh, and she did that. So, after graduation, she was able to get a job as a paramedic in Anamosa, Iowa. Um, There's a hospital there that the ambulance service is connected with, and she got a lot of hands-on experience. Being a rural hospital there, she, um, the physicians allowed the paramedics to do a lot of the work in the ER, so it gave them more experience. Wow. And... You know, she had uh, a very heroic event uh, as is as, as a paramedic um, in a car semi accident where she saved a, a young gal. Okay. Um, you know, so I think that was that was probably the turning point for her that this is the path that she wants to take. Yeah. You know sh- that she chose the right path. Uh, so you know, she continued on as a volunteer firefighter, and then, of course, you know, the, the, uh, during the pandemic, you know, there was, um, issues in Iowa City and everything, and, and she ended up resigning as a paramedic, and it just, she didn't see the right fit any longer there. So she, um, all, all the time as being a paramedic, she, the instructors at had trained her, asked her to be an instructor, so she went back to school as well to get her instructor's certi- certification. So she was teaching EMS at the University of Iowa. Uh, still has a volunteer firefighter, and she really loved that. Um, you know, still wanted to maintain everything as a paramedic, and just felt, you know, Coralville, Iowa City wasn't the right fit any longer either. So... In January of '21, she and her boyfriend had taken a vacation, and on their way home, stopped in Memphis, Tennessee. You know, met with uh, um, uh, a chief there that they just kind of really bounced off each other, and and the chief really liked uh, Caitlin's credentials. So in. Uh, November end of October 21 first part of November they moved to Memphis to pursue pursue their uh career as firefighters you know where she would be you know a firefighter paramedic and he was he was training to be get his uh, EMT as a firefighter
3: um Lorena like yeah. Scott is sort of mm-hmm. after sharing with us um you know, uh, he got a call from the, um, was it the police department?
2: Um, uh, it was the, pr- the principal. The <coughs>
1: principal from the oh, school. yes.
3: And so you hearing that news of there's something wrong with Caitlin, um, share um, with us yeah, um, yeah. what that experience was like, the initial Losing heart for you. Yeah. Um, Starting Um, off there. Whatever you're comfortable sharing.
2: Yeah. That, um, I can can actually um, tell you that going back to that moment, um, we actually discussed this a little bit last night with our friends. And, um, you know, I think, if I remember right, Caitlin and I um, talked all the time, you know, on the phone because, you know, where we live in conjunction to where she went to school, you know, we were, it's three hours away from each other. And, you know, she was always excited about moving away, you know, and going to college and getting away from mom and dad. That was the first time she was going to be independent Mm -hmm. from us. So, you know, we had to do a lot of texting and talking on the phone. And um, so that was okay, you know, that was expected. And so we had a lot of conversations about, um, you know, what's what's life going to be like you know and and as the years went on you know and she changed her major we talked about my fears you know more than anything Mm -hmm. and uh (laughs) one of the conversations I can recall having was you know what if something does happen you know what's that going to look like and she said mom you will know you will know and I said what do you mean I will know and she said listen And she's very, Kaelin was very blunt and to the point. She didn't sugarcoat anything ever with me. She would just be, listen. I mean, she would be very, like, this is how it would be. Mm -hmm. They'll me a knock, and it'll either be a ton of of cops or state troopers. You'll know, Mom. So when Scott... Either, I cannot remember if you texted or you called, but it really doesn't matter. But you got a hold of me. And you said, there are all these people, cops at the door. And I'm like, what? What did you say? So the minute he said that, I immediately, my brain went back to that conversation that I had with her. Uh, So I knew. I knew it was her. I knew. And because of what happened with, which we will tell you and go into with her, um, then boyfriend who was then her fiance, mm-hmm. we knew, I knew.
3: So, so, so when you got <coughs> the news mm-hmm. um, and you knew your mom intuition mm-hmm. um, brought you there. Yeah. There's something wrong. Oh yeah. Um, and then finding out, yeah. yes, your thoughts were real. What was your initial? um,
2: It was dealing with all of this stuff, like very sick, very uh, well. It, I didn't go into like a disbelief. I went into get me out of here. You know, I need to get going. Like, I need to get out of my building for several reasons. Yeah, one, I don't want my students to see me because I'm about to explode. Yeah. Um, I grabbed one of my best friends. And I go, look at this. And it must have been the text or something, my response to Scott, because I said, We gotta go. And she goes, Where are we going? And I said, We got we gotta get out of here. We gotta go to the office, get we gotta go. And I kept saying that. And she was like, Is it Caitlin? And I said, Yeah, it is. <laughs> so oh my.
3: Yeah. So then um Scott said that Caitlin was in Iowa, but she had gone to Tennessee. Yeah. So So she
2: came back. So, and that's another odd thing, which is so out of character for her, because she would always tell us ahead of time, because, you know, Iowa is is like um, three hours away from, we're in Iowa, but she's in Iowa City. So that's like three hours from our home. Not quite, maybe a little less, depends on how fast Scott drives. (laughs) But, um, you know. Memphis, Tennessee is like 12 hours by car, you know. So for her to just head home, you know, her home, not our home, that she would never do that without letting us know. So that was random. And we had um, a conversation with her like I think a day or two before that, but she had said that she was um, coming to take care of a sick friend.
3: So yeah. you knew she was coming to Iowa, but you you weren't going to get well, to see her because she was right. taking care of a friend three hours away yes. from you guys. Yes, yeah. so but
2: usually she would tell us ahead of time, and she she hadn't said anything, so we were like, "What are you doing?" You know. So yeah. she just that was all a lie. Yeah. We found that out later that yeah. you know, this was even true. So
3: so she was not in your home like she was in no. Memphis. So right, but talking to her, mm-hmm. um. I know the story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, if you want to share with the listeners, they were they were both in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um yes. Caitlin and her fiance. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, pursuing careers in firefighting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. if you if you don't mind sharing with us a little bit of that background, like mm-hmm. what happened, like leading up to Caitlin um, taking her own life. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, well, (laughs) it's so hard to know where to begin with that because, because of her background in, um, firefighting and her special training, that's what I call it, to be a paramedic. She, and, and her, her, um, teaching, her level of teaching, her EMTs. Caitlin was very, um, how do you want to say this? She was... She knew everything that it would take to hide. That's what I say. Because we had no idea, mm-hmm. um, and she knew that. She knew what um, PTSD was. Um, Scott and I had no idea. We didn't know what that was. I had no idea what it was until later. She masked everything. She was hiding And on purpose, because it wasn't until later, after the fact, when it was too late. So she really had a very good way of hiding behind her skills, you know, because she was teaching it to her students. And yet she had it. Neither one of us knew it. Um, So her skill level of being an instructor, she knew how to teach it but then she knew how to hide behind it.
3: So you feel like she had a diagnosis of PTSD, or she did have PTSD?
2: She had a diagnosis, but we didn't know it. She, I had to do some serious digging um, to learn this later. It took me, huh, well, I, I, you know, I can't pinpoint that un- unless I have my notes in front of me, which yeah, I didn't yeah, bring, yeah. but... Um, I actually had to do some major investigating on my own, and she did. I had to, I had to dig and dig, and finally I, um, through a legal process, had to obtain everything, um, and I did get the, her medical records. And then that's where I learned that, oh, my gosh, she was diagnosed in, in 2020, I believe, um, with PTSD. So I from trauma of the job. Trauma from the job. Yes. Yes. And then I had to pinpoint when, where, how, and we didn't know. Just no idea. So she never, ever said those words. She never said them to us. But everything that I found (laughs) was it was in the doctor's office. They had conversations about it. It's detailed. And another thing Caitlin did too was she took notes on herself. Like today this happened and this happened there on site. She has explicit notes. So thank God she had these notes. But so it was little
3: bit more than a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of But you were of to put sort of pieces yeah. of the questions of the why, what oh how gosh. the heck did of happen together yeah. from her notes.
2: notes. Yes, all of them wow. So so notes notes up up the doctor visits. visits. So it's it's a story. She's she's telling us what happened. Wow. Yeah. So I have it. That's something that I carry with me physically. Mm-hmm. I physically have her notes, her notes with me. Do you find comfort in it? Um, I do now. I didn't at first Um, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. A lot of people didn't believe me.
3: So did Caitlin ever go to seek help from our department? Like she hid it from you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly, was it... hmm like a situation where she was hiding it from parents, she didn't want to worry her parents, but did she ever seek um,
2: help from her department? I believe she did because I can kind of recall her being snarky one day or even a couple of times where she kind of mumbled something about, you know, there's just not enough help out there. And I said, what do you mean by that? And she goes, well, there's people. She kept saying there's people who need help. And I said... Yeah, in what way? And she said, well, firefighters. She goes, they see a lot. And I said, you mean you? You know, and she didn't say, not me. You know, she was just kind of like, no, just in general. Mm. So now
3: I know. Now you know, she was sort of just saying it was just in saying general. It. Yes. But just letting you know that, yeah, this is this is what we see. Yeah. On a, in a general basis, but not yeah. identifying herself.
2: And then she yes. And then she finally said, well, Something, and I didn't know what this meant until later. or I just wasn't paying attention. Mm. But she said something, she used this word, and I didn't know what that meant. But she said debrief. We don't debrief. And I said, what do you mean, what is that? <laughs> and these were words that I just didn't understand.
3: Um, so I have a, a, a another question. Like, leading up, it sounds like, she she was a great kid,
1: oh very um, very great kid.
3: Tell us a little bit about more about her. I I don't know
1: so anything
3: about her as a kid, right? Or family member? What was she like as a a sibling to her brothers? Um,
1: you know, she, growing up, she um, you know, with Brad in the hospital, and I said she was an infant. She waited. We were we were in the hospital in the library, and that's when she took her first steps in front of mom and dad. And, you know, with her brother Craig, they're 22 months apart, and so she was tied to tied to his hip most most of their you know growing up child life. Yeah. Um. You know, there was there was a time that we were taking Craig to daycare, and and you know it was kind of a preschool thing, and and so she wanted to, she's trying to get out of her car seat. She's like, "Where do you think you're going? I'm going with my Craigie." <laughs> No, he's he's gotta do this by himself. Yeah. Um, you know, so from the age three she was in dance until she graduated high school. Um so fifteen years of dance. She was in the band, she played the drums. Uh wow. you know, so marching band. She she loved playing the quints. Wow. Uh, both Craig and Caitlin were in um our, our children's theater, Stebbins Children's Theater in Mason City. So they did numerous plays there, and and she was a lifeguard at at the our local swimming pool. So she sounds
3: w- like she, I mean, swimming, Everything. dance, yeah. sports, playing yep. the drums. So also a m- musician, right? Oh yeah, a well-rounded kid, yeah. right? Yeah. Grown up yeah. when she became into a teenager. What was she like
2: at home? She, Keelan was happy, um, bright. and she, she never gave us any trouble. Anytime, it was funny because every time we went to ask her to do something, she was obviously, I mean, we never had any pushback or anything. It was okay. You know, what do you need? You know, nothing. Yeah. I cannot remember a time when she ever was a problem. Yeah. So she wasn't that kid that, you I kept waiting. I'm like, when are we going to have an issue with this kid? Mm. Never had any. Oh, you're so lucky because I, <laughs> I was like she's just one of the guys, you know? And uh, <laughs> I was just waiting. I'm like, when's when's something bad going to happen, but we never had any oh. of that, especially with a girl. I mean, I've I three girls at home. I, I know what it's like, three girls. She was like, "Oh my god." Seriously, one of the boys. I mean, she was amazing. She was like the boys were her Best friends. It seemed like it because they were like, "Hey, Caitlin, let's let's go kick that football," and she's like, "Yeah, let's go." So, but she was better than they were at it. (laughs) So they were like, "Mm," "You know," (laughs) but she would she could be beautiful too at the same time. So it was it was like that. So she's just amazing. Sounds like
3: you were all very close. Very yes, yes. So even talking about this today is. I know it's hard for you.
2: Horribly hard. (sighs)
3: can I get into what you feel or share with us
2: Mm -hmm. what led to Caitlin taking her life yes um, absolutely Um, so what happened was it was um, they had gotten to Memphis and weren't there long they were there uh, four months Scott was it four months and it was early, early morning, and Caitlin had a, the newer car of the, the two of them, her and her um, fiancé, and her fiancé had to, I think when he drove, it was like, wasn't it like an hour or two, three hours away? Oh, I thought it was maybe two. Well, anyway, um, he had to go to his final class, I believe. Um, and it was so early in the morning and i think they had just had some some bad weather mm-hmm. um, but i th- i believe the story was that she offered to to take him but it was so early that he said no no you just you need to just stay and it's fine i can get there and take my car you know she kept saying take my car because it's the better of the two and he had an, an older truck or something and and so you know she was insistent and he was insistent no you stay you go you stay whatever so he ended up driving himself and i'm not sure how far he got i don't know the details of that but so he just barely stepped out of the her car when a semi truck came and just sideswiped he because he was The reason he even stopped was there was an an accident that he came upon. um, And, uh, you know, no emergency vehicles had arrived yet. So when he saw that.
3: He was a firefighter and a paramedic by EMT. Right,
2: right. Yes. So he was like, oh, my goodness, you know, I've got to stop and, you know, do something. So I'm not sure what he was thinking or anything like that. But his inkling was, I've got to, you know, help. Help, yes. But you know that truck came so fast, and it just—he didn't know what, what happened. So it just—he was gone. So
3: yeah. So he his life was taken it by was a truck on the side of the road when he stopped. Yes, to, to help. Assist. In mm-hmm. Yes. An accident to help. in an accident.
2: Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It's very
3: very bad. Can I just ask it yeah. put it in there for a second? Because sure. I know mm-hmm. I'm let you catch your breath there for a yeah. second. Mm-hmm. Um. When our fiance passed, mm-hmm. um how long was it um that when he passed that Caitlin took her life?
2: Yes. Uh it was almost two months to the day. Two months. Mhm. Yeah. Two months. Well wow.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to talk about this uh, for me even to ask you these questions. Um, f- whatever you feel comfortable with, yeah. if I ask
2: you, yeah. whatever. So did she come home back home? Then? Um, no. Uh, what happened was, you mean like home home to our house? Move home. She was in Memphis, right? right. So did she no. come back to Iowa after she- her fiance passed? She, uh, well, she she actually did come back to Iowa, um, to take her life, but not to our home, like to our house. She came back to, to where he was from, like his town.
1: So, so, so she came back twice. Um, well, yeah. you know, once for his funeral, mm-hmm. and then to take her own life. Mm-hmm.
3: So she came back for his funeral, then went back to. Memphis, yeah, right so, so, to work, right? Or went back
1: well, to work. So, um, she started her training, the the lateral program, mm-hmm. on February fourteenth, twenty twenty two. Her her fiance died on February twenty six, mm-hmm. so two weeks into her training, and she, every lateral team has to come up with a a um, team name. And um, theirs was um, 21 strong. And it was because the 40-plus recruits for that were from 21 different states. And so it it took on a different meaning after after her fiancé's death. And, you know, because they rallied around her. She missed two weeks of the training, and they rallied around her. And, you know, her instructors and everything – you know deemed her okay to continue on. I mean they you know after his death, you know they were they were worried that she would be suicidal. Yeah. And so they they kept a watch on her and, and you know as, as Lorena had mentioned, you know she she knew what to do, what how to hide it.
3: Yeah. She had the skills. She,
1: she did. Mm-hmm. And and so it was, you know, she she died on April 27th, 2022, which was a wednesday morning so that previous friday and i don't recall the date um she had called us you know and that's when you know she was back in iowa and she'd called me i think she had tried to call her mom her mom was sleeping and she asked you know where's mom And i said well she's sleeping you know so we talked for a little while you know and she told me she's back in iowa i said well what are you doing you know we what are you doing back in iowa and she just said you know she's Here to take care of a friend uh, who needed her. She's a quick trip because she's, you know, going to be in and out. She's got to get back to work on Monday. Mm -hmm. And um, she was headed up to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, to see a friend. And I said, well, I said, when you're done with your friend and you're headed back to Iowa City, I said, call your mom. You know, she should be awake by then. So she did, and I don't know how long they talked. But, uh, you know, of course, you know, once Lorena knew that she was in Iowa, it's like, we got to come see you. And, you know, Caitlin, she had her way of diverting it. It's like, I don't have time. I won't have time. I'm I'm going to be heading back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she made it sound like she was either going to leave Iowa on Saturday morning or, or Saturday night or early Sunday morning to get back to, to do her shift on Monday. Mm. You know, so after – even before we got word that, that she had um, – past I had reached out to her, her uh, lieutenant um, and, and got in contact with him, and he said, well, she called off on Monday, and he said, well, she told us she was headed home, you know, that she had to be work, mm-hmm. you know, and, he, and he, he goes, she hasn't shown up, and this is on Wednesday. She had not shown up for work yet. So, and it was, you know, a short time after that, that that we got word that she had, had passed. She was found in a, in a parking lot in, in a truck.
3: So leading up to that, yeah. mm-hmm. um, like before her coming home, like yeah. between the time of her fiancé mm-hmm. passing, yeah. that must have been a very difficult time for her, that right? It's
2: difficult for very, what? very much so for her. We were yeah. all a mess.
3: Yeah, and, and for your whole family, right? Everybody. Mm-hmm. And then your daughter is out of state she's yeah. not there with you right for you to be able to keep an eye on her personally other than being on the phone or zoom or FaceTime or right. that type of stuff mm-hmm. um, did you notice red flags like did you notice a, a difference in her behavior well, was there was there a red flag?
2: Yeah I think so now when we look I mean we we actually did go to Memphis to see her uh, to her she had a, a the lateral class that Scott was talking about. Mm-hmm. They had a like a ceremony, um, and that was was uh, what, what, when was that? That was uh, March. Was it Mar- oh. It was in March, and so we decided. You know, we were invited, so we were like, "Oh, we're gonna come." But our reason for going was really to check on her. It wasn't mm-hmm. really. I mean, we wanted to go to the ceremony, but it was more to check on her. Yeah. Because you know she kept saying, "Well, the Chiefs are watching me. Well, I don't care what the Chiefs are doing, but your parents are gonna come." And <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm good that the Chiefs are checking on you, but we're gonna come and see. Um, she, there were a few things that really were alarming to us. Um, she just didn't seem like the Caitlin that we knew. Uh, yeah. There were a couple of things, but she did try really hard to be like her old self, but you know, we didn't expect her to be that, that same old, same old girl, you oh, know, right,
3: because of. She, she had just lost her fiance when you know the know. what you were noticing, mm-hmm. those red flags to you. Mm-hmm. And then just from what you shared with us, both of you shared with us previously, mm-hmm. you are all very close. Yeah. yeah. So like the fact that she wasn't coming out and saying, I'm hurting, I'm struggling. She, yeah. Um she never said those words. Right. And that you would have expected her to say that to you. Yeah. Um But she was definitely, it sounds like she was definitely um, hiding it in a way that she didn't want to share with you.
2: No, yeah, she just was so different. Yeah. Just, you know, and then she just abruptly got up and went to the bathroom, and I was like, where are you going? And she goes, I'm going to the bathroom. Well, she was going to cry. You know, I knew she was going to, you know, and I was going to go follow her, but Scott said, just leave her alone. Mm -hmm. Let her be. But, boy, I didn't want to.
3: Well, the thing is the culture that she's in um, I mean. and being a firefighter. And, yeah. as you said, she was feisty and tough and yes. she was great at sports and the whole thing. So it just wasn't her. It yeah, but wasn't she didn't her. want to let you see her cry or or didn't want to let you see her hurting.
1: No. Well, you know, like two weeks prior to that, we were on vacation and we did a, a, a Zoom call with her or FaceTime, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And she had just gotten all of her new fire equipment, and she was so excited. She's because mm-hmm. it was top of the line gear. Yeah, and she was just so excited about it, and and yeah. she had told us at that time she thought she was going where she was going to get placed, um, which was with the special ops team, sort team, mm-hmm. and um, so and that's where she ended up getting placed with yeah. uh, Station Twenty Five in Memphis, uh, with the sort team, and we met uh, some of those guys and they were they were very proud of her um, for the short time that they worked with her you know the uh um, one gentleman that drives the trucks there he he had uh said you know she would have made lieutenant in no time I mean she she was very confident and he he trains other firefighters drive truck and he said Caitlin, you need to get up there and, and uh start driving and you know she didn't bat an eye because she had done it at her previous uh, tenure as a volunteer firefighter so so yeah she didn't bat an eye but again you know she just um they were proud of her for the work they did you know her first very first fire that was a happened to be on her first shift yeah you know they they were working 24s so seven to Mm seven and happened about five in the morning uh major fire uh you know she wasn't the first team to go in but the first firefighter went in came right back out, equipment failure or something, and her lieutenant asked if she was ready, and she didn't bat an eye. And she went, and, you know, he was so proud of her, and you know, she came back out to to get new oxygen when, when it was needed and, and uh, you know, took a breather and got some water and went right back at it. And yeah. You know, they were on scene until like 10, 30, 11 that morning.
3: Jay can relate with all of that because
0: Jay was a firefighter too, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here just um, thinking about. You know, it sounds like it sounds like the firefighters she worked with were proud of her, and it sounds like like you guys are very proud parents. And it's an incredible job. It can also be a very taxing job. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that they didn't debrief. I come from a, a department that that uh, that did take debriefs pretty seriously. And um I think that mental health and first response matters. Oh
1: yeah. Definitely.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's why we're here today having this conversation, right? Of Talking course. about mental health and first response and yes. mm-hmm. um trying to end the stigma um yeah. with first responders seeking help when they need it. It sounds like when Caitlin was struggling those Couple of months in between when she had lost her fiance, mm-hmm. she didn't go seek help, even mm-hmm. though she probably identified with it. That mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm struggling, but um, I'm not seeking help. Um, yeah, okay. if she did or did not, uh,
2: yeah. Um, what i what I learned later was that um, she when she was, um, a student, you know, in Iowa City, and then a little bit beyond. She did actually seek help because, remember, that's where I got the records. So she was getting some help. Okay, yeah. But she was told, you know, once you move, you really need to seek help in Memphis. Well, she never did. Not that we know of. And I wasn't able to find anything. So I, I don't really know what that was about. I believe it was the chief that was at that place. He didn't believe in it. In fact, I know it for a fact because... There's a guy there now that um, went to this guy because he's lost eight or nine now friends and one family member. And he went to this chief just like a month ago and said, maybe, maybe a month, yeah, about a month ago. He's also, of, he's a firefighter? Yep. And he said, I'm struggling. These were his words I'm struggling. I need to take some time off. And he was shot down by that same chief that was there. What when, do you mean by shut down? Like, toughen up. Deal with it. You're okay. Mm. And he said, no, I need to take some time off. And he said, you're fine. Man up. Well. So, yes. And he at least you reached out to us. I told him, anything you need, you let us know. We're here. We'll listen. Yeah, We'll help you. Yeah. What do you need? So... He reached out.
3: Well, I'm glad he had someone to reach out to. Yeah. Um, and to hopefully guide him in the direction that he needs to go to seek help um, mm-hmm. and get the resources available to help him heal yes. from what he's going through. Yeah. Um, but this is why we're talking um, yeah. today is because we want to make sure that we can open up a door for all first responders mm-hmm. Um to talk about it more freely mm-hmm. amongst their peers in the department so that they can go and seek help without being judged yes, um, or punished yeah. um, for what they're going through.
2: hundred percent. Yeah.
3: When all of this is happening right on yeah. the job and they need to have their mental health mm-hmm. um, taken care of mm-hmm. just like their physical health. Yeah. And, um, and it's it's a need, and we need to speak about that yes. and more openly and if first responders can speak about that more openly, mm-hmm. there'll be less stigma and less lives lost, and I keep on repeating it in different yeah. episodes, yeah. but it's so true and mm-hmm. simple, and I keep on repeating that in my head yeah. day in and day out um mm-hmm. when I you know get to speak with a first responder, we need to speak about this more openly um and with no shame.
2: None. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. And hopefully it'll also lead to a reduction in in hidden symptoms. Uh, You mentioned it earlier that, uh, you know, there was she knew how to hide it. Right. I think that came up a a few times. And that's something that that um, that is is like kind of known by clinicians in in the first responder industry. Right. But our culture will hide it even even from our from our therapists and, uh, and I believe that an open and honest dialogue about it, uh, everywhere that that can happen, here on a podcast, in the firehouse, and in the police station, in, in the ambulance bay, uh, you know, that'll eventually uh, open doors to new conversations to where uh, when a man or woman who has chosen a career to serve selflessly begins to suffer from their own emotional injuries, they're comfortable reaching out for help. And then another component to that that's necessary is that that help is there and that it's available, and uh, that's the change that we hope to see.
2: Yeah, I would agree. And what I was saying to Scott is parents, we didn't know. So that's what we're trying to do is alert mm. the parents, family members. No one talked to us. Yeah. When she went first went into this area, we were just proud parents, mm-hmm. but we need to be proud, educated parents. Yes,
0: ma'am.
2: Now we know, but we didn't. If someone could have sat us down and said, by the way, (laughs) this is what debrief means. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is what PTSD is. These are the signs. Pay attention. Because we're all involved one way or another, whether we choose to be or not. Look at how involved we are now. Well, it's kind of too late now. So we needed to be we needed to be debriefed mm-hmm. ahead yeah. of time. Yeah. It yeah. just would have been beneficial.
3: There's there's no there's no changing. You you can't undo the knowing what you know now. No. Right. Right. Um and I I can relate with that um after the loss of Alex. Of course. Um with it, what we didn't know before. Yeah. and then just learning about it afterwards um, there's no there's no not knowing it anymore so that's why I think that f- suicide loss survivors um and as parents um and connecting with you yeah it's it's now what do we do with our energy um as far as putting it into um helping others you said talking and educating other yeah. parents yep. um and that's why myself and jay are doing this podcast right putting our red energy into helping others um navigate either to prevent a suicide right yeah. by helping first responders i know we will never have alex back yeah. right we're right. not going to get him back no. but there's lots of first responders out there that are struggling yeah and um we want to be able to help them yeah so that suicide is not an option no it's and not. and they can and they can go and get help yeah and they can reach out mm-hmm. and we want to make it easier for them to be able to do that yeah. that's where we're putting our focus on right. um right now as for me as a parent i can't even speak for me but i i know yeah you are the same yes um so can you share with us a little bit um what you're doing. You all know what I'm doing. So. Yeah. But what, what yeah. share with us what you're doing okay. to honor Caitlin and in a, mm-hmm. a great way, like, what are you doing?
2: Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to let Scott do a little bit more of that now. Since I've got
1: to have that. <laughs> yep. So, we started a foundation and it's called Caitlin's Hearts for Heroes um, and it's to honor her and other first responders who have died by suicide and their, um, surviving families. So we just want to, you know, help those. You know, we we found First Help. They helped us. It was, a, a you know, great for us because of the connections we've made last mm-hmm. September in Dallas. Yeah. You know, our son Brad attended that. He's made a lot of sibling friends that he's stayed in contact with. So we want to be able to help give back. So, starting this foundation, um, you know, we hope that uh, we'll be able to do that through through the Caitlin's Heart for Heroes.
3: Yeah. Have you got ideas and plans of what you want to do through the foundation for Caitlin? Like you want to you want to reach out to other families, right, and make connection and help others. What is there a specific thing or goal that you're driven to?
1: Nothing specific. Right now, yeah, um, you know, we just started it right, yeah, Yeah. So, so we have a uh, breakfast fundraiser set up, um, June 24th in Mason City, Iowa. Mm -hmm. That, uh, you know, we're gonna have a silent auction. So, our the committee that we put together, you know, they're trying to solicit for donations, and and uh, so you know, we just hope to have a, a great turnout, and and you know, with my company, um, has donated the meats we need for it. Uh, you know, we've got a local vendor that uh, will donate the eggs. So the breakfast is pretty much taken care of. Perfect. And, and you know, so we just hope to have a good turnout and that we get enough items for silent auction to have a success. And, and we can con- continue to do this uh, every year uh, moving forward. And, again, just to be able to help, you know, whether it's First Help or, or other organizations, um, you know, that deal with uh, PTSD or mental health and their families.
3: Yeah, Um, I'm familiar with that too because we just set up an organization in honor of Alex and this is how all of this has manifested the podcast and um, our hope blankets that we want to get out to um, programs to help first responders. You have mentioned First Help a couple of times, right? Um, So I want to, some of our listeners might know what First Help is about. Um so if you want to share with us a little bit that we, that's how we met. Right. We met you last year. Yeah. At the First Help Family Weekend Dinner. That type of thing, right?
1: Yeah, so First Help is is an organization that that helps honor uh first responders who have died by suicide and, mm-hmm. and you know provides assistance to their families. Uh you know we received a care package with a, a red help blanket, uh some wind chimes, literature on grief, uh, you know, so it's all helpful and being able to sit in a room and talk with other people that, you know, were brought together because of a suicide, they understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we attended, it was only a few months after Caitlin's death, Mm -hmm. you know, but again, it it was so helpful.
3: Yeah. To not be, feel alone. Exactly. Yeah I totally understand and I um I get it like we were a year you know well into Alex's year and a half mm-hmm. before we found first help and um up until then we were just on our own mm-hmm. lost with no help from the department that Alex was in from the time at the time um but at the same time when we did get to meet families and we knew that other families were going to be there so there was no judgment we could talk about our loved one um and honor them and cry and laugh and share memories um but most importantly i think for myself and my husband um and alex's siblings because there was different rooms breakout rooms right and we were in you know sharing rooms with therapy right we were in group breakout sessions with other parents so that was so important for um us to connect with other parents so this is how the relationship has developed between myself and my husband and scott and Lorena meeting them last year and um we definitely connected we support each other um even outside of first help you know connections we text and message each other, and we connect each other we make fun of each other, we support each other, we cry with each other laugh with each other um, about our loved ones and um, I think for me making a connection with other families um, I can't say enough about First Help for being able to do that for that connection and that bond with another parent Um to be able to to know we know what you're going through um that is is definitely priceless um for sure
2: yeah i i would agree uh that's something that i we weren't able to find in iowa i looked and I, i i knew we needed help and i just kept i was getting frustrated and it was hurting and i thought what can we do and so I stumbled upon it and then I, I reached out and, you know, I just thought we, we need to do something sitting yeah. here doing nothing is not going to help. Yeah. So we yeah. just felt this was a blessing to yeah. be able to connect. And then when we got there, I, I think we went into shock again because I'm sure my eyes got really big. And well, I remember walking even into the ballroom and just my eyes just got so big. And I thought, they're doing this for us. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. You know, nobody else was doing anything. You know, they were exactly doing the opposite. Yeah. Making us feel smaller and smaller because why? Yeah. So everything she did up until that point didn't matter. Those lives she saved didn't matter. You're talking why? about Caitlin, right? Yes. Yeah. Why? I don't, I still don't, I still struggle with that. Yeah. Because S- it's not right, you know.
3: So first help has helped us to be able to honor yes. our loved ones by how they lived, not by how they died. Exactly. And I think that's what you were saying yes. in your, in your, in <laughs> your, the that. way you were saying <laughs> yeah. was that yes. um, it wasn't that from the department. You weren't getting that support we honoring her that. by how she lived. No. Yeah. No. And that's hard.
2: It's very hard yeah. when you see other firefighters and paramedics, you know, um, receiving those, those honors. And I, and Part of me feels guilty, too, because we always taught our kids that it's not about the awards it isn't it 's about how you live, yeah, it really is, yeah, but yet they're all getting those accolades and things, and you know I just it it hurts you yeah know? so yeah yeah
3: i I totally so understand <laughs> yeah and <You> she's <laughs> she's sitting across the, the table from me, and she <laughs> knows I know what she's saying yeah um without going hurt. into to too much information yeah. right so yeah uh-huh. um so to end today i mean mm-hmm. we just want to i can't say enough about you guys taking the time to come in it ended up being a vacation for you guys um, coming into yes. boston and how lucky am i that you're here because <laughs> um, we get to spend a little bit of time with you mm-hmm. um but i really appreciate you coming in Um, and speaking with us, sharing Mm -hmm. Caitlin Mm -hmm. with us and your family with us and with our listeners also. And we hope that, with the hopes that someone out there listening is hearing your story about Caitlin Hyden, her (laughs) PTSD and what she was struggling with. And maybe they're hearing that and saying, going to get help. Yeah. And um so if we can help one person mm-hmm. um sway in direction of getting help and getting resources available mm-hmm. have the courage to go and do that, well then this is worth it. Oh, by yes. sharing our
2: stories. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I I really hope that they have yeah. the courage to do that because uh, then yes, our vacation was worth it. Yeah. Um that's exactly what what Caitlin would have wanted, yeah. you know, that's what her life was really about. Yeah, that's all she ever said was, "I want to save lives, Mom." Well, so she said it all the
3: time. Yeah. So now you have a purpose. We do, and doing this on her behalf. We absolutely do. I love that. Yeah. So I want to thank you guys for coming in today and uh, yeah. sharing your journey with us. And um I know that we'll have many, many years of stories to share over the years and conversations and tears and laughter. <laughs> um, but most importantly an everlasting friendship and connection. Um so I thank you both for coming in today and sharing your story with Jay and also with me with things that I did not know about Caitlin. <laughs> so um I'm very grateful for, for that today. Well thank you.
2: We are just as grateful. Thank you.
1: Yes, and thank you, and and again, you know, um, Caitlin's Heart for Heroes is on Facebook, so you can look yep. it up there, and you know, one one last thing is, is, you know, I know a business owner in Mesa City, 30 years, and he had a major medical issue that nearly killed him, and that was like November of last year, so this past spring, he rode his bike up to the fire station, and thanked those that were there to save his life, and they were so appreciative of that. So anybody out there that, you know, if you have an emergency and and you can go back and thank those first responders, please do so.
2: Yes, yeah, take the time, take the time to go back. Make sure that you take the time is what Scott's trying to say because that's what this gentleman did was he made a point to go back. Because it's one thing for them to take their time. You know, a lot of these guys are volunteers, but, you know, go back and, and acknowledge that moment because these guys were just practically in tears like, my gosh, we heard he was okay, but we didn't get to see that. So if you can do that, awesome. That is a wonderful message
3: um, to put out there, Scott. I totally agree with you. Um, they, most times they have a thankless job. Um, because they don't get to um, hear a thank you from whoever they've saved or helped um, while they're out working, um, doing their job. And, yeah, thank them for their service, right?
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. You're
1: welcome. Thank you.
3: That's it today, folks. Um, Until next time. Until next time. (laughs)